0: Hi, and welcome to Real Talk. I'm Susan Raff, your host. And today we're going to talk about a a very important event that's happening in our state and that President Biden is coming to Connecticut. He's coming to the University of Hartford on Friday to be part of a gun safety summit Uh, and there will be a lot of different groups there. Senator Chris Murphy is hosting the event, and it's all in an effort to bring more attention to the gun violence that's erupted in our country and ways to uh, make change. And with that, I want to invite our guest today on Real Talk, Jeremy Stein, who is the Executive Director of Connecticut Against Gun Violence. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: Well, uh, we were talking a little bit before uh, AIR, and that is that this organization that you're with has been around for 30 years, but it's really been since Sandy Hook uh, that uh, CAGV has really been extremely active uh, in trying to uh, make our communities safer, right? You have a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's certainly true. Our, our organization was founded um, in 1993 because of a drive by shooting that happened in Bridgeport. A young girl died um, and, you know, two women literally got together in their house and said, we need to do something about this. And the way that they chose to do is by helping to create stronger gun laws.
0: Why um, is why is the president coming? I mean, obviously, Connecticut uh, has been uh, a leader with um passing uh, gun safety laws. We did so after Sandy Hook. And then most recently, this legislative session, which takes, uh, you know, which takes, um, makes uh, open carry uh, ban on that. Uh, It closes the loophole on assault weapons. So Connecticut is is out front when it comes to these laws. Is that one of the reasons do you think that, uh, and that the president is coming to Connecticut?
1: Well, I mean, the other thing that Connecticut has done um, over the years is we've been a real leader on this issue. Um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of activity in Congress. And, you, you know, what what happened with this Bipartisan Safety Act um, was that it was really the first piece of gun violence legislation that this country has seen since the Clinton administration. So I, I think it is important to recognize that this was a, a major victory, but also, I think it is important to make sure that we are focusing on state efforts. This past year, Connecticut passed one of the most comprehensive gun safety pieces of legislation uh, since Sandy Hook. Um, And there's many things in that that are going to help to reduce gun violence.
0: Right. And what passed in Connecticut is being called the most sweeping gun laws uh, since uh, Sandy Hook. And there was bipartisan support. Um, there was compromise on it. I know there were some controversial provisions making it 21 to buy a firearm that was taken out. So whatever passes, certainly uh, in Washington, has to be you know, uh, bipartisan to, to some degree. Uh, I know Senator Chris Murphy has made this his uh, fight, if you will, uh, in washington he had a lot of uh, success uh with the legislation that passed in the house uh which expands um some of the laws that connecticut has uh red flag laws which allows Uh, the courts and police to intervene if they feel someone is unstable and to uh, take guns away. Um, So there are a lot of things that he's doing. He's the host of this, Uh, but there will be hundreds of people at this gun safety summit. Can you tell me who's going to be there uh, on Friday?
1: Yeah, my understanding is that there's going to be um, uh, representatives from all organizations or that exist around the country, um, we're going to see people from Brady, um, Giffords, Sandy Hook Promise, um, which obviously is local. Um, but we're also expecting advocates from other state groups as well to attend this. Um, and, you know, this we're hoping that this truly is a summit. Um, the other thing that, you know, the other groups that are going to be there, um, you know, are going to be those groups that do community violence interruption and intervention. Um, and so, and we're very grateful that they are a part of this, and they should be a part of this. You know, um, a lot of attention is is certainly spent on the mass shootings that happen, and and you know, there's no doubt that these are just horrific events. Um, we have to do something to stop this. However, um, there are you know, hundred plus people a day that are being killed in the United States. In Connecticut alone, uh, we are seeing someone killed on average every other day. A shooting on average every day, and most of these shootings are um, in communities of color, are in black and brown communities that are happening in our cities. Um, and this is this needs to have have a lot of focus, um, as well as the the suicides that are happening by firearm. Um, that this these are two areas that we hope um, draws a lot more attention than it has in the past.
0: And I think before a lot of these mass shootings, and let's face it, I mean, there have been so many for such a long time, but people weren't as focused on what was happening in our inner cities. They didn't live there. They weren't as concerned about it. Uh, But it does affect us. And the fact that there are more guns on the streets uh, than people now, uh, and these communities are really held hostage by gun violence. We're seeing kids uh, killed. Uh, but with that, you know, you hear all the time and I hear and I had a very interesting conversation with uh, Representative uh, Craig Fishbein, who's very uh, pro Second Amendment, who said that, you know, we we really need to do a better job at enforcing the laws that we have. And and there's some truth to that. Uh, and part of actually the legislation that passed in Connecticut does uh, increase penalties for repeat offenders, So I think there's an effort for that, but I think many people would like to see us be more proactive than reactive. I mean, you can penalize people, you can um, have better security in our schools, but the reality is if we don't do a better job uh, before the shootings happen, then we're going to continue to have them. Agree?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I just spent the last couple of days in Chicago and I was with many survivors, um, you know, many um, women, mostly women, mothers um, who had lost children in a city where there is much more gun violence in Connecticut. And we talked a lot about root causes. Um, you know, what can we do to help communities? What can we do to um, address the root causes of gun violence? Why especially young people are. Um, resorting to, to gun violence in some of these cities and how do, what do we do to, to interrupt that. But also at the same time, we need to concentrate on what we need to do to increase the quality of life um, for a lot of people. Um, firearms now, you know firearm death is firearms are the number one cause of death in this country for children, right? Um, children are dying from guns more than cancer more than motor vehicles. Um, this is a true public health crisis, and just um, you know, saying we're going to to increase penalties or we're going to throw more people in jail is is not working. It has never worked, and it is not not the only solution. We need to make sure that we're talking about um, things like reentry, uh, education, mental health housing and, and you know housing is a huge problem in this country and you know things that will increase quality of life will also reduce gun violence
0: right and the legislation the safer safer communities act that passed in congress does include more money for Uh, mental health services. And it's a multifaceted or multi-pronged approach. But it's interesting, I think, in some way, whether we become desensitized to some of the violence that's happening in our country, and I'll give you an example. So my daughter recently went to Israel, and people said, oh, aren't you afraid that she's going to Israel? There's so much there. I said, you know, she's probably more likely to get killed in a mass shooting uh, than in Israel, or maybe even hit by a car. I mean, you know, so I think that In some way, we just haven't really recognized the danger that this presents. And maybe people, if it doesn't, it hasn't happened to them that they don't. But at this point, we are starting to know people who have been involved in these mass shootings, whether it's at a school, whether it's at a grocery store, Uh, we are impacted. These are the people who live in our communities.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was talking to Dr. Shapiro from St. Francis Hospital last week and we were talking about the fact that gun violence is the number one killer of children in the United States and what he told me is he said look right now there are so many people that have experienced gun violence that you either have experienced gun violence yourself or you know somebody that has that is the statistic that we're dealing with right now um you know one of the one of the other things i want to point out which you mentioned earlier This Bipartisan Act, this um, Safety Act that passed last year in Congress, um, you know, there's really two important aspects of it. One you mentioned earlier, which is the red flag law, the extreme risk protection order piece of it. You know, the other part of it is a a funding stream for community violence interruption, CVI strategies. But, you know, that that, um, funding for not only the implementation, but the enforcement of red flag laws would is is a very vital part of this. This is an important law that will remove guns from uh, a situation where there is is imminent harm, right? Likely to happen. And so where someone is in crisis and they are thinking about taking their own life, um, the fact that they have access to a firearm um, increases their likelihood of taking their own life, of completing suicide to about 90%. So it's almost always successful if you have access to a firearm. So making sure there is um, a break in that access. So there is um, either a cooling down period or there is a prohibition on that access can save lives. And we know for every about 10 times that this law is utilized, it saves at least one life.
0: Right. I'm not sure why that law is uh, controversial at all. I mean, if the argument is that, you know, uh, from those who are pro-gun say that, you know, uh, it's mentally ill people are the ones who are committing these crimes. And if that's the case, uh, then why not take a pause? And it's not permanent necessarily. It's a temporary suspension. And if there is nothing wrong, then you can get your weapon back. I'm not sure why that's controversial. But with that, uh, what do you hope happens on Friday? And where do you think, uh, you know, the president uh, sits on this and in Connecticut and the impact that he might have in his visit?
1: Well, I hope this becomes a focal point for what we need to do in this country. Um, you know, we have some of the strongest gun laws in, in Connecticut, um, some of the strongest gun laws in the country, if not the strongest gun laws right now after the passage of House Bill 6667. Um, and as a result, we have some of the lowest gun death rate in the country. We know strong gun laws work. However, um, we can't do this alone. Um there are guns that are coming in from outside of our state from mostly from states that have weaker gun laws. There are guns coming from places like Maine that have very weak gun laws. And so those states with weak gun laws and 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 the same thing is happening in, in Chicago. A lot of the guns that are coming into Chicago aren't originating from Chicago. They're coming from those states outside of Illinois that have very weak gun laws. And so, um, What we hope happens is that this is, you know, is an example for um, the need for stronger gun laws, that people will follow the Connecticut model um, and that we will see some action, you know, if not in Congress, if not by executive action, then maybe we will see some action in some of the 50 states um, that can replicate some of the things that Connecticut has done. And and like you said, some of these laws aren't really controversial. Um we have one of the strongest safe storage laws in Connecticut now after this session. And safe storage is something that responsible gun owners practice, right? Store your weapon when it's not in use so that someone, children, prohibited people, dangerous people don't get access to it whether, you know, or that someone accidentally discharges the weapon, which we saw in Kristen Song's family with Ethan Song. So safe storage is life-saving, it's responsible gun ownership, it shouldn't be controversial, it should really be low-hanging fruit, and there's no reason why we can't see a policy like this happen in all 50 states.
0: Right, because some of those guns uh, get stolen in a home robbery, which was the case in Greenwich several years ago, and that gun was used to kill uh, this woman's parents who owned a gun store in Fairfield. So that happens. And before I let you go, um, you mentioned to me that you recently met uh, with the uh, legislator who was kicked out of the General Assembly uh, for taking a stand on gun violence. And I heard him speak recently and saying that it's going to be the young people of today that are really going to rise up and make a change. Tell me about your conversation with him. And do you, do you agree with that?
1: Yes, I absolutely agree. And, um, and one of the speakers at this conference was Justin Jones, who was part of the Tennessee three and literally thrown out of the legislature where he was elected to be there by, by his constituents, but because he and two other people demanded that they have stronger gun laws after a horrific mass shooting, um, they were kicked out. And, um, um you know eventually they returned but it wasn't until after many people voiced their dissent including a lot of young people um you know look young people are inheriting our mess young people are the ones that are living in the lockdown generation you know young people including you know my own children grow up where they have to practice drills in their schools on how to not be killed by a mass shooter how have we possibly let this happen in in our country? So you know we have failed to to prevent um, our children from experiencing this we have failed to to keep them safe and we need to do a lot better and and we're trying but We can't do it alone. And it is the young people. We saw this after Parkland. We saw this massive swell of of activism, mostly from young people that that marched on Washington, marched on Harvard, marched in in cities all over the country and demanded that they be provided a safe place, a safe haven in this country. And we owe that to them.
0: I think that's a good place to leave it uh, for now. Um, I know you'll be at the... uh event, the gun summit on Friday. I will see you then. I think there were a lot of people will be speaking and I hope, uh, you know, it brings about change because I think we all want a safer community and where we live.
1: Right. Absolutely. Our okay. our lives depend on it. Yeah.
0: Jeremy Stein from the Connecticut against gun violence. Thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on our show again.
1: Susan, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening and watching everybody.